0: Love Talk Radio.
1: broadcasting live from the home of the slowest Wi-Fi in Eaglewood, California. This is another edition of The Ruckus. I'm your host, Giandra LaBeouf. Sitting in the co-pilot seat tonight is regular guest host, Ismael Dusalam of Beast Boxing Mayhem and NYK Loyalist. Ryan Bivens will be joining us later on in the broadcast. If you're listening to this show, you're probably watching the Fox Sports card happening in Philadelphia, so that's where Ryan is right now, 2300 Arena, there with uh, our photographer, Daryl Cobb, so as soon as they wrap that up, he'll be jumping on the broadcast later on in the show. A lot to cover tonight, a busy week in the, busy last couple of weeks for boxing. We're going to be joined by Hall of Fame broadcaster Al Bernstein in just a few moments, and we'll talk with him a little bit about this weekend's. Severn versus Wilder card. He was on the desk calling the card, so we'll get his thoughts on that. We'll talk a little bit, segue into a little Jenny Klitschko or Klitschko Jennings. We'll talk about that with him and how the heavyweight landscape is shaping up. Heavyweights always come up on this show. I like that topic, because and it's good to see a little bit of prominence returning back to the United States. We'll also be joined later on in the show by Doug Fisher of Ring Magazine. Ooh, just prior to broadcast, who's over there tweeting for Ring Magazine tonight? Is it Doug? Is it Lim? Is it someone else? Somebody's tweeting for Ring. Someone tweeted that we might have a Canelo-James Kirkland fight happening on May 2nd in San Antonio, competing with a Mayweather car. Woo-woo-woo, the plot thickens. So we'll talk about that. Of course, we'll preview Rios versus Alvarado. We'll talk about Jermaine Taylor. Yeesh, what's going on with Jermaine Taylor? Uh, We'll talk a little bit about Pascal and his Remarks about random drug testing uh, for the fight against Kovalev, saying that the five main events is against the random drug testing, even though he agrees to pay for it. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, Golden Boy's recent signing of Lemieux and what that means. Looks like De La Hoya has a new venture coming out, De La Hoya TV, Beyond Boxing. I don't know. It's just a lot. we got a lot. And, of course, the big, big announcement last week, uh, Al Heyman's project revealed Premier Boxing Champions. It's going to be on NBC Sports, and we'll talk some more about that. We'll take your calls. The call and number if you want to talk to us during the show is 718-508-9852. Before I dial in Al Bernstein, let me, of course, welcome my very, very intelligent co-host, Ismail Salam. How are you doing, Ismail?
2: I'm feeling a little depressed tonight, to be honest with you.
1: What happened?
2: Well, you know, what Mayweather said earlier has me thinking about my life. I just feel like I'm just a pawn on the chessboard now. I don't feel like I'm a boss. and I've got to reevaluate my game plan. I'm slacking.
1: Man, you over there playing checkers. We over here playing chess. You better get your whole life together. Sage words from Sir Mayweather. Sage, sage words. On that, but other than that, other than feeling like a, a pawn in the a cog in the machine, somebody working at spacely sprockets, how else are you feeling? <laughs> what else is going on?
2: Well, I'm feeling fantastic because the Knicks actually won the game uh, last night, so we won our first game for January. That's a big achievement.
1: What do you guys have a better record than us than the Lakers?
2: No, 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 we have the worst record in the league. We were on the 16 game losing streak going back to early December. Oh Lord! Boy. Yeah, no one, so no fans, one is worse than the Knicks.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow. very hard. So, for those of you listening, if you are a Knicks fan, make sure you check out his my old baby NYK Loyalist. Also, a great site with some of his uh, great writing. So, if you're a Knicks fan or glutton for punishment or whatever, check out NYK <laughs> Loyalist. It's a great site. So, let us now bring in Mr. Bernstein. Let me dial him in. It's always a pleasure speaking with him, doing the Google Hangouts and Boxing Channel and all that good stuff. So let me get Mr. Bernstein on the line, and we will be ready to go. Oh, I need some Japanese music. Hello. Hello, Al Bernstein. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you doing? Uh,
0: Great, 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 great.
1: Great. I'm very excited to talk to you on the line with us at Ismael of Uh Ryan Bivens is at the fight right now, 2300 Arena uh, ringside for the Fox Sports card, so he'll be joining us uh, later in the show, but you'll probably already be wrapping up with us. So, Let's jump. How are you doing? Tell us what's the latest and the greatest for Al Bernstein right now before we uh, jump well, right I, into it.
3: I'm doing good, actually. Uh, earlier, I saw the movie uh, Imitation Game, which is one of the best movies I've seen in years. So that was that was remarkable. Non non boxing item, but um, since uh, your title is Bad Culture, that we, it's culture, right?
1: <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. We were talking anyway, about the yeah. Knicks before you dialed We and Ismail's Knicks won a game tonight.
3: Go figure. In New York
1: City, they're (laughs) they're ready to have a whole ticker tape parade. I don't know. Really, that's right.
3: That item is worthy of a ticker tape parade in and of itself.
1: Exactly. So why don't we jump into uh, this weekend. We saw, of course, the Bermaine Suburbs versus Deontay Wilder WBC heavyweight title fight happening in Vegas where you were on the desk calling the fight, and... Before we talk about the outcome of the fight itself, you know, you spend the entire week with the competitors, doing the the um, pre-fight interviews and all of those things. Mm-hmm. I know you don't you don't make predictions before the fights, but now that the fight has concluded, did this fight manifest itself as you expected it would? Or were you- oh God, <laughs> no,
3: no! I, I, in a million years, I would have never have expected it to go twelve rounds. And I did say on Twitter. That the one thing I was sure of is it wasn't going to go twelve rounds, and um, I think most people thought that. Um, and I was shocked that it went the distance, um, but you know it was a combination of you know um, Stavern, even with the physical issues that we'll probably discuss, uh, being so tough and. Uh, Wilder having a certain skill set that we didn't think he had. So a combination of all those things ended up making this a distance fight, and that was really surprising.
1: Yeah, as well with uh, Ismail and I, my prediction was Severn was going to knock him out in about round four. I was really bold with my prediction. Ismail what was your prediction for the fight again? I know it was for Saverne, but where did you have it? Um,
2: I have Saverne by KO in the fifth round.
3: I think a lot of people did, and I think that was about the, you know, I think many, many thought that, and uh, you know, uh, the, uh, I mean, the fight was kind of a fifty. In the terms of predictions in the media, it was about fifty-fifty. So a number of people agreed with the, with uh, you guys, and that was not a far-fetched thought at all going in. But uh, Deontay Wilder certainly didn't agree, did he? He he made something else happen. <laughs>
1: Definitely. You know, when I looked, watched the weigh-in here, I didn't go to Vegas for the fight. I watched it here from home. And Wilder seemed just so emotional. And at the conclusion, when he was doing an interview with Brian Kenney, he asked him, you know, what's the outcome. And he says, I predict a knockout by Severn. And, you know, because he was so emotional. And that I thought, yeah. oh, has he been taken completely out of his game, that he's calling for his own demise? But I guess, mm-hmm. I guess not.
3: But well, now, the thing we didn't he, know in leading up to that fight was, you couldn't really tell. You know, Steverne had said that he felt that all the the um, that the that fact that Wilder was so animated uh, was a sign of actually nervousness on his part, and he wasn't really prepared. As it turned out, that wasn't at all the case, and, and Wilder was, was, in fact, confident for this fight.
1: Right. He definitely kept his composure when Steverne was making some advancements. Wilder kept mm-hmm. his composure in. And stuck to his plan throughout the fight, so that was pretty admirable and a wonderful display to watch now that we are in the aftermath of the fight. Severn declined to appear at the post fight press conference, went directly to the hospital where he spent two days and was diagnosed with having um, dehydration and some muscle damage some muscle injuries in leading up in the week leading up to the fight, did you notice anything that indicated that he might be suffering? I- and on top of that, why would he even be dehydrated if you're not cutting weight for a heavyweight fight?
3: No, well, I didn't see anything. And apparently the – the uh, and I don't remember the name of the the um, uh, condition that they ended up saying he had, started with an R. But uh, it's one where I guess depending on how – and remember, he wanted to get – well, he didn't have to cut weight to get to a certain weight. He certainly wanted to be in shape. And it, apparently uh, part of this condition comes when you – it could come from doing it too quickly, not hydrating yourself properly. So, some things that they did in training may well have kind of contributed to this, obviously, and um, that's on them. You know, that's on him, and that's on his team. Um, and at the end of the day, it you know lessens his chances for victory. And the interesting thing, which is to take nothing away from Deontay Wilder, who fought brilliantly, but but you know there was. Stavern has in the past had lull periods in fights, so he, that that wasn't unprecedented. But I will say that in this particular fight, there were opportunities there that he just didn't seem to be able to cash in on. Um, but you know, it's, it's part of the part of the deal. And he had the same time to get ready for this fight as Wilder did. And also, you know, he was very inactive, and they, and they apparently had a chance to have a tune up fight, and didn't, they didn't go for it. So you know the layoff, which apparently apparently had some element to do with this, because of his preparation. You know that's that's his responsibility. So um,
0: absolutely, you know I
3: think yeah I think think I think it's it's it, you always want fighters to be a hundred percent for every fight, but that's not always the case in any athletic in, in, encounter.
1: Definitely, Isma. I remember you mentioned earlier that you had done a little reading on. The condition. Did you, you know, gather any other information that you read about what Steverne was diagnosed with post well,
2: Uh yeah. I looked into it a little bit. I didn't get any information. I was wondering if it was a genetic thing or things along those lines. I didn't see anything like that. So I think it really tied into what Al was saying, that he just really wasn't prepared. You know, the worst thing, one of the worst things that can happen to a fighter is inactivity. And, you know, he's been out of the ring a long, long time, you know, going into this fight. Uh, we don't know how quickly he lost the weight, uh, what his preparation was. I saw some people, you know, kind of clowning him a little bit from the all-access when he was eating you know, pasta and everything. They were kind of wondering, you know, where his uh, nutrition was. So we, we really don't know how quickly he lost that weight. He was the same weight that he was for the areola rematch, but, you know, obviously his training, it looks like his training was more so to lose weight than actually to prepare for the fight. I think that and the combination yeah. of um, underestimating Wilder kind of manifested what we saw. It kind of reminded me, of course, different circumstances, but kind of the same way that Sonny Liston, uh, in the first fight with Ali, underestimated him. You know, Thought because he was so animated, he's scared. I'm going to have an easy time. And I think it kind of shocked him, number one, that Wilder had a game plan like that and that was able to jab him and basically outbox him. I think he just wasn't prepared for that type of fight. Right.
1: Absolutely. So now, That Wilder has been successful, and congratulations to him. uh, Like Al mentioned, he fought excellently. I'm not unhappy with the outcome. I just didn't predict him to win. He has now said that he would be interested in a fight against Tyson Fury. Al, do you think this is a smart route for him to go to Tyson Fury, or should he just put the foot on the gas and try to go directly for a Klitschko fight following Klitschko's outcome with uh, Brian Well,
3: you know, Fury is actually the number one contender for Klitschko's title, and they're actively trying to make that fight. But the interesting thing is, Fury's promoter, Frank Warren, while Frank Warren and Mick are both kind of collaborating on his career, um, they indicated that if they actually think the Wilder fight is more attractive in in a general kind of a way for them. uh, And um, so I think there's probably some willingness on their part to do that, and by the way, that fight, if in fact it could happen, would be a very big fight in Great Britain, where they know Deontay Wilder, and of course Fury is is clearly well known there, uh, and I think would resonate on this side of the Atlantic as well. Um, of course, to see Wilder fight Klitschko would be probably the most interesting thing for, for all boxing fans, because we're... You know he's the man in the division, and we'd be curious to see how Wilder would fare against him. Um, so I don't think the Klitschko fight's likely to happen next. I don't even think the Fury fight's likely to happen next. Um, probably there'll be some kind of defense against someone. I don't know who, but I wouldn't be. I think it is very likely that Fury and Wilder could meet before the calendar year is done. Uh, that's very possible. And a lot depends on the injury, the the hand injury that Wilder had. Um, they're talking about him fighting in June now. Um, so if he did fight in June and then the next fight out of the box, if that could be a Fury fight or even a Klitschko fight, you know, it would probably be November-ish or something along those lines. So, uh, you know, it, it, there's some interesting possibilities all of a sudden in the heavyweight division.
1: Yes, Definitely good to see it come back stateside. Kind of segueing now, and since we're talking about Klitschko and the kind of the shape of the heavyweight division, Klitschko Jennings has now been finalized, and it's on tap for April 25th at Madison Square Garden. With this Klitschko fight, this will be the first time Klitschko's fought in the U.S. since roughly like 2008. So with this fight, he's fighting Bryant Jennings, who has been fighting his way to the spot to get into the ring with Klitschko, but he still relatively has a relatively small fan base, largely known in Philadelphia, starting to expand his fan base. How do you cultivate American interest in a fight like this, being that Klitschko had every you know, boxing fans, we know who Klitschko is, but he's not as known statewide, or he doesn't cultivate the same interest in the United States like he does abroad. So how do you cultivate interest in this fight?
3: I actually think, the, ironically, Wilder's victory helps them for the Jennings-Klitschko uh, fight, because it gives people yet another reason to take a look at this. Um, you know, thinking of Wilder against the winner, um, the idea that Klitschko's fighting on American soil, as you said, for the first time in quite a while, um, there's a general excitement about the division that's that has... Moved west, you know, has moved from Eastern Europe to both the UK and the United States, and because of Wilder's win, it actually helps this fight a lot, I think, and means they may it may resonate a little bit more with boxing fans, and it's Kutko's chance to kind of reintroduce himself to the American public, maybe in advance of a fight with Wilder, um, and and if you look at it, you know, it would be it's a really interesting scenario, and uh, I, you know, I. Jennings is a a good heavyweight, uh, but physically he doesn't match up that well with Klitschko, and uh, and it's a tough matchup for him. But it's not to say he has no chance to win, but it's a, a tough matchup. And Klitschko, the other thing we remember, he's in his mid to late thirties now, and he's getting. He's thirty seven, I believe. He is, you know, father time's going to catch up with him in one of these fights. And his last fight, he looked very good. Actually, the best he's looked for a while against Pulov. But mm-hmm. there is the chance that he'll go out there and be flat uh in one of these fights, and perhaps someone can take advantage of that
1: definitely and now, and then add to the the mystique of with this fight, Kushko, as we know, is with k two promotions, and Jennings is now with the newly formed rock nation that took over Gary Shaw, who was his promoter, still his promoter, but under the rock nation. Umbrella. How do you stack an undercard with K two fighters and and this Gary Shaw? You know, Torino Johnson just fought, and they don't have a great amount of depth in the Rock Nation roster nor in the Shaw roster. So how do you? Well, I think you can.
0: I think
3: you can. uh, Groups like that, you can find fighters that you know are either somewhat either independent or um, you know you can you can get. Um, And I think there's probably. from the the rosters they can probably come up with with some decent matches and I think it it's probably not uh it's probably not the major you know issue as to whether this promotion works or not. I think it'll work based on the allure of the heavyweight match. But yeah, they 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 don't have usually big rosters. As you point out, Rock Nation isn't in K two uh Rock Nation is new and K two doesn't you know, they're some more European-based organization, and so there may not be, um, you know, it may not be stacked with uh, with a lot of American fighters. But I'm sure they'll be able to come up with a couple matches that will at least be uh, reasonable within the realm of it. And remember, you know, the TV network sometimes can get another promoter. You know, there are some of the other promoters that could put a fighter on and co-promote with them, or just. You know, I, I think they can reach into some other rosters. It, you know, wouldn't be, you know, chances are it wouldn't be uh, uh, one of the major promoters, but, but, you know, one of the others.
1: Yeah, it might be a good look. You know, Golden Boy recently signed David Lemieux. You know, we could tie in the Canadian audience. You know, they might do something since uh, Oscar's been working with over on HBO a little bit more. Before, well, yeah, with, I don't
3: know how what his relationship is with uh, K2 and or Rock Nation, but... But either way, and, and sometimes networks can prevail as well.
1: Absolutely. Before we wrap it up, I'm going to ask you one fun question, since our next guest is going to be Doug Fisher from Ring Magazine. I don't know if you were on Twitter within the last 30 minutes or so, but a mystery tweet popped up from Ring Magazine's Twitter account that says, Canelo versus Kirkland has been confirmed for May 2nd in San Antonio. Oh. And then the tweet was promptly deleted. Ah. Have you heard have you heard grumblings of a Canelo Kirkl I mean Kirkland has always been mentioned in the mix with Canelo but right. have you heard any grumblings of a fight? Not that not actually like,
3: happened? not in the last couple of days. No. He is as you say he's always the name that's that's surfaced. Now that the the Cotto fight seems to be off, uh they were gonna have to look for for people and you would expect them to look at the usual suspects. You know, there's there's so many people they can have uh in a hundred and fifty four pounds. Division more interesting would be what dates are going to be on. If they go for May second, um, then clearly, uh, I mean Floyd Mayweather is going to fight on May second, no matter what, no matter whether he, the right. Pacquiao fight is made or or he fights someone else. So the it is intriguing uh for them to to go on that date um which is not impossible i mean it's happened before it happened where we right. had fights in the same city with them when the martinez fight happened and canelo uh fought right. on showtime at that time so it's not unprecedented but uh i think um you know i think Kirkland's a, a possibility for them. i don't, i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be surprised to see something like that happen
1: yeah, it's a it's a, a bold thing. And like you said, it has happened again. And I think, um, was it mayweather Cotto weekend, which Cotto back in the mix again with the talks, and Canelo was fighting Jose Cico Lopez? Was that
3: Uh, uh Well, it was Canelo. The well, there was a fight. Well, we had it when Canelo was actually... Yeah, Canelo was fighting... Um, it was uh, Sergio Martinez was fighting, uh, I think against Chavez Jr. I can't remember. Anyway, there was a fight. In Vegas, involving him, and then also Canelo was uh, was fighting, so it has happened, and 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 um, uh, in major fights. So uh, you know, and, and we're we're going to see more of that because there's more entities doing boxing, there's more networks doing boxing, and I I'm going to be one of the people that's going to say I'm not sure that that's the end of the world. In fact, if we end up with more conflicts, it'll be more a sign of more boxing being available and people wanting to have boxing on networks and also more promoters trying to do high-level boxing. I don't think it'll be so much just a network or a fighter being vindictive. There's only so many dates you can have, you know. So right. I I think it's actually in some odd way, though it doesn't always work for the fan, uh, in some ways it's not that detrimental.
1: No, definitely it does. Definitely, and it grows the sport, and that's ultimately you know every few months you have to hear the boxing is dead, dying. On well, that's it, on the life thing sport. So
3: yeah, that's the thing about this year coming up. You know, 2013 was spectacular. 2014 was adequate at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the, the sport didn't build on 2013, um, and for 2015 we've had a seismic shift, several seismic shifts in the way in the business side of the sport. And, you know, what I think it's going to mean is that everybody's going to try and put their best foot forward. So in some ways, it is not – I don't think it's looking at life through rose-colored glasses to suggest that 2015 might end up looking a lot more like 2013 than 2014.
1: And I'm definitely looking forward to that because 2013 – was a great year, and it looks like we're starting off 2015 with a bang. We're mm-hmm. still in January, and look at all the news that we've had already. So that's very, very promising. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Al. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You
3: go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say make sure that everyone who is listening to Al right now, they have to go out and still get your book, 30 Years, 30 Undeniable Truths About Boxing, Sports, and TV. A lot of the things that you're saying in the book are very poignant to what we are experiencing today. So, a very, very great read.
3: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. They can go on Amazon.com, and yes, life is so meaningless if you don't have that book, right? I mean, how? I don't know how you exactly. can go on.
0: <laughs> I, I <laughs> well, know, you know I what? Know, I, maybe,
3: maybe. I'm going to amend that. It's possible to have a meaningful life. It's just not as meaningful, that's all.
1: <laughs> exactly. You need all the enhancements that you can get. Uh,
3: yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate you bringing it up.
1: Okay, that's great. Well, Al, it is always a pleasure speaking with you and working with you, and I look forward to uh, seeing you with you some more uh, later on in the year.
3: Yes, indeed. You're, you do a great job, and um, you're one of my favorite people in the sport of boxing, so it's a delight to talk to you.
1: Oh, thank you. That was very, that's very uh, – wow. I'm I at a loss for words. That's very, very kind. Thank you well, for much. Well, it's dad. true.
3: It's true. You're knowledgeable, and uh, you're fair, and you, you do great interviews with people. I like listening to them, so it's a, it's a pleasure to um, – Pleasure to
1: do it with you. Oh, thank you. All right, Al, you're take right. care and we'll talk soon.
3: Okie dokes.
1: All right, kids. So that was Al Bernstein. You know, take a look at 2015. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening in the sport. As you know, if you're listening to this show, you're probably not a casual boxing fan anyway. Ismail, from what Al uh said to the during the course of our conversation, what do you think was more point? what the most po- thing what stood out to you the most? Uh
2: the whole idea and this is like a, a market thing for anybody that's taking a business class, the whole idea of competition, you know, the more uh competition we have, the better the market is, the more competitive it is, the better it is. You know, that is the hope that we have. Right now everything is still kind of in flux. You know, we have mm-hmm. all the promoters now. We have Lock Nation, we have top rank, you know, our Star Wars, Golden Boy. We had Iron Mike Productions for a little bit. They split. Their fighters are going to be going in different directions. Now we have premier boxing. So we're all looking to see who's going to actually leap out in front because, you know, the game is wide open. You know, it's all about who's going to put on the best fights. Every single roster has their strengths and weaknesses. They all have good fighters. Some of them have Hall of Fame fighters. It's all about how you're going to match them, how much money is there to go around, and who's going to be the most creative. Because like Al said, there's only a certain amount of spots. Available on premium TV and on regular TV. So you're going to have to not only put your best uh, fights forward, you're going to have to be creative in your matchmaking and also your presentation, being that you're going to be reaching new fans, which is what Premier Boxing has in front of them and Rock Nation. You saw Rock Nation kind of try and merge the entertainment aspect. You know, and that's kind of been um, uh, not bad, but it's kind of been a mixed bag as far as the reception from traditional boxing fans. So, you know, we're going to have a lot of that type of experimentation, which I think is a great thing. I think it's a very exciting time to be a boxing fan. I know a lot of us are a little nervous because some of these big fights that we wanted have gotten canceled, it looks like. But like you said, it's still early. We're still not even through January. There's so much that can happen within the next, you know, 11 and a half months. So if you're a boxing fan, that's cause to be very optimistic about what we have, definitely more optimistic than what we saw in 2014.
1: Can't get any worse. Like I – I like how you put that. It, it, it sounded very stringer Bill taking the business class. I like that. I like the way you put that about the the, the market comparators and all that. You know, now you, all you got to do is open up a shop and you know that makes photocopies and all that good stuff. So <laughs> now, uh, why don't we switch gears? Dun dun dun. I am going to dial in. Mr. Doug Fisher of Ring Magazine, and we're going to talk a little turkey with him. If you follow Doug on Twitter, if you don't follow Doug, you should, and if you're not, I don't know what's wrong with you because, I mean, come on now. He's the editor of Ring Magazine. That's the Bible of boxing. Follow him, D-O-U-G-I-E Fisher, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Please spell people's names right. It's very disrespectful when you don't spell someone's name correctly. So let me dial in Doug Maybe I just say that as a person who has had their name butchered their entire life.
2: Oh, you, you and this? me both. You already know my name.
1: Right. I bet you could spill your ass off, though, as a kid, couldn't you? You've reached Doug Fisher, exactly editor awesome.
2: of
4: RingTV.com. Please leave a message. Thank you.
1: Doug Fisher, we are looking for you. I'm going to tweet you. But Doug is expecting us because he did a tweet tweet us and say that he's going to be on the show. And so we will get him on in just a moment. Before well, like I you were talking about, he probably
2: has a lot of, you know, a lot going on lot now with that tweet. <laughs> exactly. I know, and
1: I don't want him. He better not be talking to anybody before he talks to us. Mm-hmm. I already have my show scheduled and everything. Hello? Hello, Doug Fisher. Hello. How are
4: you doing? Hey, Jandra. I'm doing fine. Sorry about that, because um, I, I just heard that you got, like, uh, my my voicemail. I had the Do Not Disturb function on. Um, I'm still trying no to pro- figure out this phone.
1: <laughs> no problem. No problem at all. Joining us, Doug, is uh, Ismail Abdu Salama, Beach Boxing Mayhem, so he'll be uh, chiming in with us. Gentlemen, each other, hello. Say hi. How are
2: you doing, hey. Doug? Hey. This is Ismail? Yes, sir.
4: Hey, good to hear from you again.
2: Same here, same here. How's it, everything it's going? It's been a
4: while. It's been a while. When's the last time I was on this this podcast? it been oh. more than a year.
2: I think it, it was like it's it been a
4: while. I don't think I was all on year. all last year. So I apologize for that. I know it's um, sometimes hard to to track me down and. Um, to get me on these things, but I, I really do appreciate it, and it's a it's an honor to follow uh, Al Bernstein.
1: Oh, thank you. It's, uh, the pleasure is all mine and all ours. It's always great to talk to you. I'll, I always learn something whenever I talk to you, so it's always a pleasure. <laughs> so before we get into the topics that I had scheduled already, Doug, who's tweeting <laughs> for Ring Magazine tonight? <laughs>
4: Yeah, it says, uh, Lim, Michael, or Doug. Well, it wasn't me. Um, I think mm-hmm. that was Michael tweeting on behalf of Lim, who had spoken to Mike Miller, uh, the manager of James Kirkland. And mm-hmm. Mike Miller told Lim Satterfield that um, that they agreed to fight um, Canelo Alvarez. Um, uh, on Mm -hmm. May 2nd um, at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, which, uh, you know, that doesn't mean it's a done deal. It just means that they agreed to their side. We all know that. I mean, hey, uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, Canelo announced that he'd agreed to all the terms to fight Cotto, and it's been a couple weeks since uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh, you know, announced that he'd agreed to all the terms to fight Floyd Mayweather. We know that doesn't make a fight. It ain't done until it's done. Um, So I think, I think uh, Rosenthal, who, by the way, is the editor of Ring Magazine. It's not me. I'm the editor of RingTV.com, which is the website for the oh, publication. Sorry. Yeah, that's just, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to get that mixed up. Um, but I I think Michael just kind of thought about it and like, wait a minute, this is James Kirkland we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been talking about it, Michael, but I think he I think he tweeted it and then he was like, oh wait a minute. Okay, you know this is just one side and and basically, what Mike Miller told um Lim Satterfield is that they were offered the fight, and via email um, they agreed they said, yeah, absolutely, they agreed to the money and 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 but that's you know they didn't sign they haven't signed anything or whatever. they just offered the fight they were you know they discussed terms, and this is back and forth email, but you know Mike Miller between Eric Gomez and Boom! You know, yes, 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 yes. We we won it. This is a great fight. This is the opportunity we've been waiting for. Yada yada yada. And I, and Lim called Michael, and Michael tweeted, and then I think Michael kind of like, wait, you know what? I love James Kirkland, all-action fighter, but Kirkland is Kirkland, and you That's know, right. Kirkland has had not you know he, he's known to go a wall, um, and um, yes. he's known to be difficult with negotiations, and he's. He's pulled out of two previous Canelo Alvarez fights. Not once, but twice. There have been right. Canelo Kirkland fights scheduled and he pulled out for whatever reason. Um he's James Kirkland. He doesn't need a reason, you know, he's it's Kirkland's gonna Kirkland. Um but hopefully mm-hmm. um he realizes that um he you know, his His shelf life is is not very long in boxing. He's been in this game for a a long time. He's not a young man anymore. He's not an old man, but he is definitely an inactive fighter who had momentum after um, knocking out Glenn Tapia, and he's lost that Mm -hmm. momentum um, Mm -hmm. with certain decisions that he's made with his his boxing career. Um, And so, you know, I think hopefully he realizes he needs to get on board and when you're offered an opportunity like this, you you, you take it. And if um, if everything can be worked out, and he sticks to it, it's a tremendous event because he is uh, a Texas native. He is a, an, a, an Austin um, resident. He he grew up in okay. Austin, and that's like an hour and a half drive from San Antonio. And he is he brings the kind of style. That guarantees action. That guarantees drama. It's a it's a really good mix with Canelo Alvarez's style, which is to stake out the center of the ring and to stand there to try to take whatever you have and then to dish out whatever he's got. You know, he's the kind of guy who stands there and he lets his hands go in spots, but he he always lets go in powerful little bursts there. So so you know you don't have to be Eddie Fudge to figure that a uh, a a an impetuous pressure fighter volume puncher power punching southpaw like um James Kirkland is going to create excitement with um a fighter of Canelo's style and mentality and being at the Alamo Dome I mean listen Canelo attracted 30,000 fans for Austin Trout who is you know more of a boxer not an action fighter so you know this is I have to imagine that they can get more for this fight particularly if it's um if it's promoted right and and I, I have no doubt that um Golden Boy Promotions um will will promote this one um the way it should be promoted. Um so I'm keeping my fingers mm-hmm. crossed, but you know, yeah I, I
1: think I tweeted
4: you know, hey, sign me up for this fight. Yeah, sign me up for this fight. This is a travel-worthy fight. Um there's not a lot of fights that I'm going to travel for this year. Um I'm you know, I'm I've been covering boxing for 15 years. You you do experience a little bit of burnout with Traveling and all, so I, you know, I want to travel for fights that uh, are worth my while, and and, uh, travel for fighters who are worth my while, and fights and events that are worth my while. And this is definitely one of them. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But somebody tweeted me and said, you know, isn't this kind of risky? You know, with with Mm -hmm. with, James Kirkland involved. I'm like, yeah. You know, it's it's always a who knows proposition with James Kirkland until you see him in the ring. But when you do see him in the ring, he gives you something to remember. Win, lose, or draw.
1: Definitely. Or or DQ. (laughs) The last time we were on Canelo Kirkland watch, it was um, nearly a year ago to the day, and then they tried to announce the fight with Canelo and Joshua Clotty after he beat Mundine, and then that went to the toilet when Canelo had a... a a foot injury, quote-unquote. Right. What I really would like to know right. is who's doing the promotional work for James Kirkland now? I know Ismail did an interview with 50 Cent, and 50 Cent right. said that Kirkland was basically pricing himself out of the market. Is he still being yeah. promoted by SMS?
4: Um, I mean, I think he has a contract with them, but he believes – it's it's a dispute. It's it's not not much different from, you know, say um, you know, a, a Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. um, where one side says, "No, we got a contract with you," and the other side says, "No, I'm a free agent." Um, Kirkland will tell anyone who will listen that he's a free agent and that he's basically, you know, he doesn't have a promoter or if he does, he promotes himself or or, or whatever. Um, and I I think in his mind it's that he he has a an out in his contract with 50 Cent because 50 Cent hasn't delivered what 50 Cent had promised in the contract, and I don't know. I I can't weigh in on that because obviously I haven't read the contract. Um, but mm-hmm. 50 Cent believes that he's got a valid contract with them, and and Kirkland says otherwise. Um, you know, hopefully this is a situation where Kirkland is going to get paid enough to where. Um, all parties involved can come to an agreement where, you know, fifty cent can be a part of it. Um if he does indeed, um is you know uh, contractually obligated as as um Kirkland's promoter. And um, you know, Kirkland's gonna stick to it because he believes he's being um compensated. I know that's been a problem with um Kirkland in the past with other fights and, and, and in particular with Canelo. Going back to two thousand and twelve when Kirkland was offered uh, to fight Canelo after um, Paul Williams suffered his um, career ending motorcycle injury. Um, mm-hmm. Kirkland basically pulled out of that because he didn't feel that like he was being paid enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. You know, I'll believe it when I see Ann Will start posting about, yeah. you know, the backwoods training techniques that she's got him doing, pulling hippopotamuses through the snow at $30,000. When <laughs> i am not you know, I'm not when sure I start
4: he's yeah i'm not i'm not sure he's currently with ann wolf um i think it, it behooves him to be with her i think he is at his best when he's with ann wolf but um he, he's had his his troubles with with ann wolf he's he can be a difficult individual mm-hmm. um when you meet him person to person he's a he's an affable guy he's very nice he's he's humble um he's a he's a fr- uh, fan friendly fighter you know, I think fans who have met James Kirkland have found him um, approachable and somebody who's fun to talk to. He's a he's a boxing fan. Um, but he's difficult with his business relationships um, and um, other relationships because I think with Ann it goes beyond just the business of the sport. Um, but he's it's, it's a volatile relationship. And I'm not Indeed. sure that they're together. I, I'm not sure that that union is in place as we speak.
1: That's unfortunate because he is at his best. When he has her at the helms with his training, as we talk about James Kirkland and all these fights that could happen, won't happen, don't happen. It's already early in 2015. We're barely halfway through the month of January, and we are already seeing the demise of three major fights: Frotch Chavez, Canelo Cotto, Mayweather-Pacquiao. I don't believe. I never believed we were getting a Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, but Canelo Cotto seems Cotto Canelo seems feasible. Frotch Chavez seems feasible. Why are all these fights
4: falling apart? Um money and you have to look at it it's 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 a combination of two things. One thing is just the business of boxing and the older a fighter gets and the more accomplished a fighter gets and once a fighter um begins to uh look at the end game and 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 look at his exit strategy. Um boxing is is really less of a sport and just more of a pure business. And that fighter's decisions are going to be dictated on how much money he's going to make and how big of an event he can create um, with certain fighters. And those veterans, and I'm talking about guys like Carl Frotch and Miguel Cotto and uh, Floyd Mayweather, they're not going to just take any fight. They're going to be thinking about the money. They're going to be thinking about legacy, but they weigh their legacy um against um you know risk and reward and um you know with Carl Froch you know I, I i believe he had an injury okay i i you know i he wants that Julio Cesar Chavez junior fight and that's why he's not going to make his mandatory his IBF mandatory title defense against a young gun a young lion like uh, James DeGale um and he'll gladly give up the IBF title um, if, if necessary, and he's not going to fight anyone in the interim. I mean, he's going to heal camp again, and he's going to once again pursue Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Why? Because Chavez Jr. makes for the biggest fight in America for Carl Fox. He, he brings the most money to the table. He brings a fan base, um, and he believes that's a fight that can be a big event in Las Vegas that is big enough to attract his fans from Nottingham and, and, and from other other parts of England. Um, and he knows that Chavez Jr. will bring his fans. And that's the kind of you know, that's a fight that they could do at the NGM Grand or at the uh Thomas and Mack Center and they can sell it out and it can be a huge event and it can be a pay per view uh on both sides of the pond. Um and that's what he's thinking about because he's already he's he's had all his accomplishments. He's fought everybody out there. He's made history in the UK. Um, you know, um I'm sure most British writers would consider him to be a future Hall of Famer and and one of um, the best British fighters of all time, so his legacy is there. So that's what he's thinking about. And the same thing with Mayweather and 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 with Coda. I mean Mayweather, he's just always been part. You know, he's 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 a fighter to the core because I mean this guy's un, unbeaten over 19 years, and that's because he stayed dedicated to the sport. He's preserved his body, and that's because he's a real fighter. But it's also you know his stature in the sport is because he's a businessman. Um, he's part promoter, he's part publicist, and he's also part matchmaker. And he's going to be careful as to what fights he's going to take. And um, he's 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 for I don't know why, but he you know he's leery of Pacquiao even at this stage of uh, Pacquiao's career. Even though Pacquiao presents the biggest fight out there for anybody and the most money, Mayweather is still going to be careful about that. And Miguel Cotto. Listen, he can make great money fighting Mayweather. He can make great money fighting uh, Canelo Alvarez. But Canelo Alvarez, he's a young lion. That's going to be a tough fight. Canelo Alvarez, he's fighting a real middleweight. And that's going to be a fight, yes, he can win that fight. It's a winnable fight. But win, lose, or draw in that fight, Cotto's going to take some punishment. Because Canelo's mm-hmm. at that stage of his career, a 24-year-old man is going to feel great weighing in at 158, 159, 160, and he's going to rehydrate to like 173 and be strong and going to be resilient. And even if he takes a perfect punch, he's not going to get up on broken legs like uh, Sergio Martinez. No, this guy is young and just coming into his own. It's going to be a fight, and they're going to dish out a lot of punishment. With Floyd Mayweather, he's probably not going to get lucky and land the money shot against Money Mayweather. But it's a distance fight. It's a competitive fight. It was competitive the first time they fought. I think he feels that his technique is better. His confidence is at a higher place right now. Um, I think he feels it can be even more competitive. And if he loses, so what? He doesn't take a horrible beating. he, He still has his pride, and he still makes as much, probably more money, than he would make fighting Canelo. So, I mean, when you talk about these big mega fights that don't happen, I mean, I think... Part of it is just these days um, boxing is more business than it is sport. But also, um, you know, part of these matchups they involve fighters who are just at that stage where they're looking at retirement and they're looking at the final matches of their career, and they're just looking at the money. I really, that's what I feel. right? Right.
2: Doug, I wanted to switch gears. I know you're a big fan of the the smaller fighters. I kind of wanted to ask you, when you're looking at kind of the flyweights, we've seen Roman Gonzalez really emerge and get a lot of uh, at least national attention among fight fans in the U.S. Do you see any of the promoters over here taking a chance on him and trying to get him on, you know, big mainstream TV, kind of what we saw Top Ring do with Zusaming, try to make him a homegrown talent overseas? Do you see any promoters over here possibly taking a risk like that on someone like him, or even now well, who just had that big victory over uh, Nevada?
4: No, I don't, unfortunately. I think most U.S.-based promoters, I mean, they're looking at the welterweight divisions on up. Um, they really aren't looking at fighters. No, no matter how talented, under featherweight, I think as, as, as low as most promoters are going to go, most U.S. promoters, is uh, junior featherweight. And they'll look at junior featherweights because there's a lot of dance partners. If you look worldwide, I mean, there's a lot of talent at 122 pounds. And if you have a young 122-pounder, you you probably have a guy who can go up in weight to 126 to featherweight and even higher to, to, to junior lightweight, ultimately. And you don't look at a guy who's a flyweight who began his career at strawweight. You're figuring his ceiling is probably at flyweight. Um, or maybe Junior Bantamweight. And, you know, Johnny Tapia aside, you know, those have never been sort of marquee divisions, and you we haven't had star fighters um, in those divisions that, that translate into ratings. And if they did translate into ratings, like a Johnny Tapia or a Michael Carbajal, um, it was because they began their careers fighting on network TV. They came during the time, like the late 80s, where boxing was still being um showcased on network television or like in, in um Michael Carballo's case he was a 1988 US Olympian and his fights mm-hmm. were on prime time NBC and this is before even cable really uh un- you know blossomed to where um a lot of events um that were once prime time events uh, olympic events on US television um, were moved to like CS and you know CNBC or MSNBC. Um, Say so a lot of people knew about Michael Carvajal before he turned pro, and once he turned pro, he signed with the right promoter, with you know uh, Bob Arum and Top Rank, and they managed him really well. They moved his career really well, and you know they had a, a talent, a kid who was um, exciting, who fought on NBC, who fought on ESPN, who fought on. Um, the USA Network, um, and he was lucky. He had a he had a dance partner. He had a you know a, a popular Mexican fighter who had been showcased in America um, on the Prime Network and um, in the Los Angeles area on Kcal fighting at uh, the what was then the Great Western Forum. And I'm talking about Shakita Gonzalez. So you had a guy who had a uh, you know a dance partner to be a part of a great trilogy, and and so he's he's a special case. Guys like Michael Carbajal and Johnny Tapia, um, they're special cases, but they're also Americans. And when you look at Chocolatito Gonzalez, he's from Nicaragua. He's not Puerto Rican. He's not Mexican. So he doesn't tap into those um, uh, passionate Latino fan bases that are plentiful here in the U.S. Um, What could be Chocolatito's saving grace and a lot of these other fantastic flyweight uh, and um, sub-featherweight fighters, because there's a lot of them, um, is maybe a network gets interested. Maybe Showtime losing all this Al Heyman talent, and I'm not saying that Al Heyman's completely done with Showtime, because I do believe that um, some of Al Heyman's talent will continue to fight on Showtime, even with this NBC deal, um, at least through 2015. But um, obviously, uh, going forward, Showtime is not going to have all that Al Heyman talent to rely on. So, I mean, I'm thinking maybe if they want to stay in the business of boxing, maybe they kind of go back to the future in a way. Because I remember in the 90s, Showtime was that that network where you saw a Johnny Tapia, where you saw occasionally a um, Finito Lopez, um, you know, Ricardo Lopez, a great Mexican strawweight and um, junior uh, flyweight champion. Um, and Showtime was also that network where you saw overseas talent like Chris Eubank and Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghe um, before they kind of solidified their legends towards the ends of, of, of their career. You would see those guys on Showtime. You didn't see those guys on HBO. And um, with Al Heyman kind of not being the um, uh, the in-house, in-network network um talent ma- manager um, maybe that's what Showtime needs to do go back to that look at uh, doing some business with Eddie Hearn um, and and his vast stable of talent which includes Kel Brook the I- un- unbeaten uh, IBF welterweight title holder who actually fought and won his title on, on Showtime's airwaves and look at some of the smaller talent these little guys they are amazing and they always make for great fights I mean One of the best fights that I've seen in the last five years was uh, Roman Gonzalez versus Juan Estrada. And Juan Estrada has turned out to be a hell of a fighter. Um, He holds two titles at Flyweight. I think a rematch between um, Chocolatito Gonzalez and Estrada is one of the best matches that can be made in any weight class in 2015. And I think it would be a big deal if Showtime ponied up the money. They wouldn't have to pony up that much. Uh, to get these guys, if, if Showtime was the network to step up and make that fight happen and make it happen um, in the United States, and, and I'll tell you what, I think hardcore fight fans of this era, this uh, social media age and this internet age of boxing fandom, I think they will um, they will appreciate overseas talent and little guys more than fans U.S. fans did in the '90s.
2: Exactly, very true. And you just mentioned a little earlier, um, Al Heyman, with his NBC deal, where do you see that going? Do you think it's going to be as big a splash as we're hoping for, being that he has, you know, the fighters, he's keeping everything in house, but can you still make those matchups to really grab the public's attention like everyone's hoping?
4: Um, you know, with with these type of moves of with Rock Nation um um acquiring Gary Shaw's promotional stable in, in Gary Shaw's services and um, signing Andre Ward um, and starting their throne boxing series and with Al Heyman um, buying time buying 20 air dates on um, NBC and, and including um, five prime NBC network dates which is huge I take a wait and see approach I mean I haven't been in boxing that long you know like you guys had you were talking to um, Al Bernstein earlier You know, he's got decades um, involved in this sport. I've got 15 years being full-time, and I I started writing about boxing in the mid-90s and really was kind of, you know, viewed myself as as somebody who was, you know, really covering the sport in the late 90s. So I I haven't been in boxing that long, but in just 15, 16, 17 years, um, I've seen a lot of, Promotional and managerial outfits come and go. That had a lot of money, were well funded, and signed a lot of talent, and had a lot of um, grand ideas, and made a lot of grand proclamations on how they were going to revolutionize the sport, and they were going to change the sport for the better, and they were going to regalvanize boxing. And um, they've all, you know, a lot of these folks they've, they've fallen by the wayside, and, and I, I. I if I sit here and think about it, I can probably come up with a dozen promotional or managerial entities, um, you know, from America Presents to um the Tournament of the Champions, uh sorry, the Tournament of the Contenders, the promotional arm of the Contenders reality TV series, um to Damon Dash when he uh briefly teamed up with uh DiBella you know, and their talent um it's a tough game. Even Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, he had a promotional entity for a while and he had uh-huh. he was well funded and he had guaranteed dates on ESPN and he had signed a lot of talent and you know that lasted I don't know 4 years, 3 or 4 years. Um this is a tough business. It's a tough game. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. <laughs> um and um it's it takes more than money and and smart business minds and signing talent, you got to know how to move that talent and develop that talent. And so, I took a wait and see approach. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, just a couple of years ago, people were getting crazy excited about Fifty Cent. You know, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, sure. she let let him promote a fight. Jeez, he just he signed some fighters. That I mean, I get excited about fights once once he makes the fights. You know, and and and. You know that that takes more than just signing talent, you know you gotta be able to work with others you gotta have the, the the network relationships um you gotta have people who can put on shows you know and if not, then you gotta be able to work with a lot of people you gotta be able to work with folks in boxing and and um folks in boxing don't always play well together. It's difficult so you know it i I'm taking a wait and see approach with with Al Heyman in this deal um I'm I'm very hopeful for it and I love the, the, the first two cards, the March seventh and the April eleventh. And I love the main event. I love the double header in Vegas. I love that. I think um Keith Thurman versus Robert Guerrero, that's a fun fight. I, I even think that the Broner fight, the Broner John Molina fight, even though Molina's coming off two losses. That's a fun fight. I mean, you know. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't see how Garcia Peterson won't be um a fun fight. I mean, I know a lot of uh, hardcore fight fans are upset that their titles aren't on the line, but, you know, it's it's time for Peterson to move up. Peterson's been making 140 pounds as the amateurs, man. It's time for him to move up from, from junior welterweight. And uh, Garcia, he's a fit he's a kid. He's got a barrel chest, man. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's been struggling. I think, you know, they'll probably fight better um, being able to weigh three pounds over the junior welterweight limit. And I'm more into good action fights that I am world titles. I really am. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what it really comes down to to me. If 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 Heyman can consistently put HBO and Showtime level fights, matchups, on uh, NBC, Sportsnet, and NBC, especially the prime time slots, I think that that can only be good for boxing. You know, my only question is the question that everybody has. Can he sustain it? Is he going to be able to work with others? Um, if he's just Going in-house, well, how long are these in-house matchups going to last? I say they last through 2015, maybe go into the first quarter of 2016, and then people are going to say, okay, we're sick of Heyman versus Heyman fighters. We want to see some of these Heyman welterweights fight Kell Brook. You know what I mean? We want to see some of these Heyman fighters fight top ranks, best uh, welterweights and junior welterweights, you know? That's that's what fans are gonna demand and Heyman's gonna to need to deliver that, not just for the fans, but for his own fighters, because they're gonna want those matchups as well. Um and I you know, I, I it's gonna be interesting. I mean I'm 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 watching with interest. Um I'm not gonna be negative, but I'm not gonna be a Heyman nut hugger um all the same. Um I'm curious, you know, you're talking about a guy who's got hundred and fifty fighters. Um, he's bought 20 dates, you know, that's that's not going to cut it. So he's going to have to work with other networks. I hear he's talking to Spike TV, uh, you know, the Spike network. Um, I hear that he's going to have some ESPN dates as well. That's great. That's all good news. Um, And I think he's going to continue to work um, on some level with um, Showtime as well. Um, And I think he's going to have to. Um, And I think he's going to have to, beyond 2015 and i think it's going to be really interesting to watch but i'm excited um for right now i'm excited for um the month of uh um, march and 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 april I'm, i'm looking forward to those um those uh nbc fights
1: touching upon something you said before doug about people who have come and gone in the promotional game who are well funded and had talent let's you know, draw the nexus to Andre Ward, who has now signed with Rock Nation. He's kind of like the poster child of the fighter that you want to have: articulate, well groomed. Sure. He's a champion. Yeah. What's really out? Champion. there? Just because you right. have the money. There's, Who does he fight? Signing with a new <laughs> yeah. doesn't bring competition.
4: Yeah, and you know, for them to recoup some of their investment, um, you know, they had to deal with, you know, his his old contract with with. Goosen promotions, uh, and I'm sure he he wanted a, a signing bonus as well. Um, and he's not going to be cheap either. You know the purses that they pay him. You know Andre's not going to be cheap.
1: So mm-hmm.
4: um, yeah, they have to make the right matchups. And Andre has been very clear from the get go that he and um, his trainer Virgil Hunter want. You know they they've got over a year's worth of rust that you know they want to have. A tune up fight or two or three to quote unquote get back into his groove. So, who are these fighters going to be? You know, I mean, if they're journeymen, is HBO going to want to pay a licensing fee to air that? And if HBO says no, where is Rock Nation going to take Andre Ward? Are they going to take him to Fox? You know what I mean? Fox Sports One? You know what I mean? It's uh, is, is Fox gonna gonna pay a licensing fee to where Andre gets paid what he wants to get paid and they can pay the opponent or are they gonna come out of the pocket for a couple of fights until they can make these big matchups and the other thing is Andre says hey man I ain't looking at 175 pounds I'm I'm the super middleweight champ and there's fights to be made in this division and that's that's all I'm looking at and you hear Gennady Golovkin a guy that a lot of folks everyone you know would love to see a Golovkin-Andre Ward fight, but Golovkin's talking about cleaning out the division, and Ward is saying, I want to clean out the, the, the 168-pound division. So maybe these guys don't even really in their own minds start to really seriously consider each other as a rival and as a potential opponent until they've done that. That might be a year and a half away. So you got to ask yourself, well, who is he going to fight? I, th- I would love to see him fight um, – those british guys i'd love I'd love to see um I'd love to see Rock nation make an offer big enough to uh george grove's uh promoters mm-hmm. those German guys the Sauerland brothers uh and to Eddie Hearn who promotes james de and I'd love to see mm-hmm. those fights um when he's got his groove back of course, and there's the durrell brothers right. as, as as well but they are with al heyman and and from you know what I've been told and what everyone talks about um um, Jay Z and, and Al Heyman aren't exactly buddies.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're going to be having drinks together anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> why don't Why don't we? T- okay, so here's something I want to ask you about um, Leo Santa Cruz recently. Um, you know, he won his fight that we just saw on the undercard of the Severne Wilder, the Severne Wilder uh, title fight. And he's been mentioned, you know. People keep saying he needs to fight Rigondeaux, Rigondeaux, Rigondeaux. So recently, he said that he will fight Rigondeau for three million dollars. When Nonito Donaire fought Rigondeau, he fought him for one point five million, and Donaire had quite a bit more substantial resume going into that. And that was a lot of money, York, by the Central way. East. That
4: was, yeah. What what Donaire made fighting Rigondeau and what Rigondeau made fighting Donaire was a lot of money for a 122-pound fight. Um, you know, when Leo Santa Cruz says, I need $3 million, it tells me things. One, he really doesn't want to fight Rick and D'Al. And if you talk to his father, um, his father and trainers, his father will say that's a, just a bad style matchup. And and he's, he's right. You know, you don't have to be Eddie Futch. Uh, Rick and D'Al is a bad style matchup for anybody. Um, but it tells me that that Santa Cruz doesn't really want to fight him. And it also tells me that Santa Cruz is used to being paid a lot of money fighting sparring partners and fighting guys who Mm -hmm. really aren't worthy of fighting for the WBC Super Bantamweight title, Junior Featherweight title. Um, But he's been overpaid. I mean, he's making $750,000 to fight the likes of Jesus Ruiz and that dude that Mm -hmm. he fought on the mayweather Madonna rematch card, his former sparring partner who didn't last three rounds, couldn't last two rounds, I don't think. Um, but when you pay somebody that much money to fight that level, and then you ask them to fight the best fighter in that division, of course they're going to want—they're going to want more than twice. They're going to want like more than three times as much as what they made to fight a couple chumps. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just tells me two things. It tells me one—it tells me that Leo has been overpaid for the level of competition that he's faced, and now he has unrealistic economic expectations. He has unreal. He has an unrealistic view of his own worth, um, but it also tells me that he's really not that interested in fighting Guillermo Rigondeaux. And that's you know, listen, nobody's really interested in fighting Rigo. That that dude is. He's a Rubik's cube. He's a pain in the ass. You know, he's a crafty southpaw counter puncher who can actually punch. He can hurt you. You know, he's not going just going to peck and poke at you. He can hurt you. The dude can punch. Um, and he's he's very, very slippery in there. Um, i got to tell you, I, I like Leo Santa Cruz a lot as a person. I've known his family for many years. I, I was writing about his brothers, his older brothers, um, Jose Armando and Roberto, before they even turned pro. And I remember Leo when he was a three- and four-year-old, um, you know, at the gyms out here um, in the greater L.A. area. Um, I like them very much. They're good people. But I'm totally bored with Leo Santa Cruz. I couldn't. I didn't. I didn't pay any attention to that fight, and I haven't been excited um, for any of his fights. Um, maybe, maybe when he won the the WBC 122 pound title, that guy was a pretty decent fighter, and he went in there and he wrecked the dude, um, and that was impressive because I thought that that guy would give him a little bit of a tougher fight. But by and large, since he stepped up from bantamweight. I've been kind of bored with him. And um, the main reason is because of the quality of his opposition. I just don't think it's um, – and I don't think it's made for compelling fights. Um, and I think he's begun to stagnate um, as a fighter. And maybe maybe it's, it's because he's struggling to make 122 pounds and he needs to move up to featherweight. Um, or just maybe it's just, you know, he's maybe a little bit bored – um, fighting the guys that he's fighting, he needs to fight some of these guys. And I'm not saying go out there and fight Rigo. Um, you know, I'd love to see a fight with with Scott Quigg. Um, I'd love to see a fight with uh, the the IBF title holder um, Carl Frampton, an undefeated dude from Ireland who's uh, very popular in Ireland, obviously, um, and, and the UK, and, and and is a good. He's talented, and he would make you know he would make for a good fight against Santa Cruz. In fact, I think you know probably a lot of hardcore heads and, and more than a few um even US boxing writers would pick Carl Frampton uh to beat Leo Santa Cruz. And I think a lot of folks probably view a Santa Cruz Scott Quigg matchup as an even fight. And Scott Quigg is willing to travel from the UK uh and fight in the US if if he was uh granted a shot at Leo Santa Cruz. And those are the kind of fights I want to see. I'm hearing Admiral Morris and yeah, Admiral Morris, Leo Santa Cruz, yeah, that's a natural fight for Southern California. Um, let's get it done, because if Leo Santa Cruz is not fighting Admiral Maris or Carl Frampton or Scott Quigg or Guillermo Rigondeaux in his next fight, I am paying no attention to it.
1: Yeah, I fear the same thing that will happen to him is what happened to Gary Russell the minute that he jumps in with a – step up in opposition that he'll crumble and fall. And, you know, like you know, I also I haven't known him in many years, but whenever I've dealt with him he's very pleasant. He's a lovely, lovely person. And I would hate to see it happen that way to him. Um, go ahead, Ismail.
2: I wanted to give Doug your take on uh John Pascal kind of bringing up the whole uh, performance enhancing drug issue again. He did that I remember before with that, Bernard I remember Hopkins. The second- Right. He he just brought it up out of the blue, made it an issue. I just wanted to get your take, being that you've been around the sport for so long, being that we've had this issue get a lot of attention over the last couple of years, do you think it's still a big problem among boxers at this point? With all the attention. Yeah, the oh of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Um I I think there needs to be some sort of uniform testing, at least in world title fights. Um, I think it should be mandatory. Um it would be great you know boxing's not a league like major league baseball or or uh, the national football league where they can make these you know certain um drug testing um standards uniform you know that you know just mandatory for everybody who is part of the league um but we're in the i mean we're in the performance enhancing drug era of sports and that goes for professional sports it goes for international amateur sports, you know the Olympics and world championships of, of every sport out there, and and, and down through collegiate sports and even the prep high school level. Um, it's prevalent. It's part of our culture. People who aren't athletes are taking performance enhancing drugs just to mm-hmm. you know just to work out. I mean, it's just it's it, it it's out there, and everybody's a suspect. Um, you know, um I know Paulie Malinaji is um a little bit infamous in social media um and within the boxing world for casting a lot of aspersions um on Manny Pacquiao and yeah, I don't fault him for that. Um Manny Pacquiao is not beyond suspicion. Um people around Manny are not beyond reproach, but um I would just add that everybody nobody is, is beyond suspicion. Um, and, and I've said this before, like in my mailbag columns, you know, if Tommy Hearns was fighting these days, people would be suspecting him. You know what I mean? People would be, Hey, there's a welterweight mm-hmm. who, who, you know, okay. He goes up to junior middleweight, but then he goes up to light heavyweight and he's still knocking guys out. And then he steps down to middleweight and he's still knocking guys out. And what, how is this, you know, or, or, or. Henry Armstrong, if he was fighting these days, you know what I mean? The featherweight going up and being the dominant welterweight champ and making ninth title defenses and beating people down, you know, or, or uh, gosh, if you go way back, you know, to guys like um, Harry Grab and Mickey Walker. Mickey Walker turning pro at 140, the welterweight champ and middleweight champ and going up and scrapping with the best light heavyweights and heavyweights of his day. I mean, these all these guys. All anyone who's exceptional, they would be suspect. They would people would be suspicious about them. Anybody who has a lot of longevity, um, like a Bernard Hopkins, they're going to be they're going to be. How can you be? How can you be kicking ass and and you're pushing fifty? This is crazy. It's impossible. Anything, anytime, athletes really go out there and do something that is um, beyond the realm of ordinary. Anybody who really excels, gonna be there's gonna be suspicion and the only way to, to get rid of that suspicion is to and, and also to make the sport safer is to have some kind of uniform testing. I mean it's I, I, I definitely think it's needed. What I would like to see guys like Paul e. Malinagi and and um uh Jean Pascal do is even if their opponent doesn't want to, as Pascal says, take the test, I would like to see them themselves undergo the most rigorous um, drug testing. And I would like to do it the way um, Nonito Diner did it, where they take it, but they also um, make the results of those tests public. And I'd I'd love to see them have bought it as well, because I know USADA... Has done has been accused of and has been known to do business in the past, not just in boxing, but in you know track and field and and um, you know other international amateur sports. Um, and Vada
2: seems to have
4: caught a lot of guys and seems to have some very um, uh, stringent practices. Um, and they seem to be um, the, the 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 toughest test administrators. Um, so I'd I'd love to see that, but I'd love to see like Pascal, okay. Bernard didn't want to take the test, and now the crusher's saying that he doesn't want to take the test. Well, you know what? I'm going to take the test because I want my fans to know, and I want the boxing world to know that I'm a clean athlete. And I'm not just going to take the test. I'm going to let you know, whatever they come on, let you know what my testosterone levels are, you know? And if my testosterone levels happen to be three times higher than that of the average man by age, explain why you know what I mean or whatever it is you know whatever
0: mm-hmm. if there's some funny business
4: from funny levels I'm going to have some kind of medical explanation for it or whatever um, I'd love to see that I'd love to see more fighters kind of take that kind of stand whether or not their opponent tanks it don't make it about them make it about you and lead by example
1: absolutely Nature. well that's Doug, it is always a pleasure. And uh, once again, I have learned a lot of things. I never knew Dash was doing promotional work. So now I, have to, I was Googling that when you said that, and he was trying to push Andre Berto, you know, protect your shoulder roll. So I thank you. It's always a pleasure when you come on the show. I hope to have you again in the near future, and I'm sure I'll be seeing you yes. in the next month or so somewhere. I'll yeah, sooner something.
4: sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for having me, on, Andre.
1: Thank, thank it was you, an too, pleasure. Take care.
0: My pleasure, Rob. Take
4: care.
1: So those of you who are just listening in, we were treated to Al Bernstein and Doug Fisher, a wealth of boxing knowledge there. Um, great to talk to them. A lot. I mean, we could have talked to both of those guys probably for the entire two hours. Each guy could probably talk for two hours. So thank That's you, for there, gentlemen, for... Oh, um, uh, no. Who, let, who, let who left the door open? I think I left the back door open, and Ryan Bivens managed to get in through the back door, fresh out of 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. What's going on, Ryan Bivens?
5: Oh, I'm good. I've been on the line for like 10 minutes. I was going to say something to Doug, but sorry. Right. Anyways, <laughs> um, a, the fights was good. The fights was good. It was a long-ass time, but the fights were good. Uh, Eric Hunter, you know, he, in the main event, he, uh, he he did what he was supposed I'm, to do. Um, he, he yes, he the did. Opponent. And uh, I mean, yeah. I thought he could have used his jab more, but he said he was when I interviewed him afterwards. He said, you know, he, he was gunning for the knockout. Like uh, he he could have boxed up, I think he graded himself like a C minus or something. Uh, but yeah. you know, he, he I think he could won the fight. Uh, you know, all his numbers. You know, I think he's he's, he's arguably uh, maybe the the most talented featherweight in the world. It's just you know a matter of does he let his hands go enough to know compete at the at the highest level and uh, you know we'll, we'll have to find out
1: excellent excellent and um i got a chance to watch most of the car but then the the broadcast started and all i was watching he was just killing kids with left hooks, left hooks, left hooks, left hook every time i looked up there was a left hook connecting there to the point that i started to duck anytime he raised his left hand so yeah definitely a great um display by eric hunter you said you were going to get him on the show is that what i heard you say <laughs>
5: what I, I didn't hear the question what was the question
1: whatever whatever ryan you heard the question,
5: what? Oh, I didn't hear the any... question. i'm
1: driving home i can't oh, hear I... that well you can't drive <laughs> offline no i i was just teasing you i said you mentioned i said did you say you were going to get eric hunter on the show next week is that what you said oh oh yeah if you want one short bring one show the phone. Yeah, we'll get Eric Hunter on the show to talk about his victory because it was a a great-looking victory, and uh, I'm sure his peeps would like to hear from him, and his detractors might want to hear from us. It don't matter. We just like to talk to fighters on this show, so we're due to have a fighter because we haven't had one on in a few weeks. So we'll look for Eric Hunter. If I'm not mistaken, we're going to have Tom Leffler on with us next week. So that'll be a good show. I
5: I, I would like to ask if you should come on with him because that's who walked into the ring tonight. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, 50 well, so he was—he was literally in the ring, as like the fighters were being, you know, uh, you know, uh, giving the tail of the tape and everything, being announced. Yeah, Fifty was right there. You know, Oscar's Ryan. is nowhere to be found. I don't know where the hell Oscar still is, but Fifty Cent is all up in his his, his Golden Boy live I'll- shows
1: now. I'll give you the G-rated version of that. Ryan, if you could make that happen, it would be a lovely show. Once we get onto to the Google Talk, I will give you the real Giandre response of what we need to do to make that show happen. But, you know, I can't speak that way on the air. So I'm glad it was a great show. I'm glad you went out there. Look for the coverage tomorrow or the next day on BadCulture.net because it is late on the East Coast and live and stayed for the whole card. as did uh, Daryl Cobb. Shout out to Daryl Cobb all the great work he does out there. If you're in Philly and need photo stuff, sports photo stuff, please get in touch with him. He is awesome. And so once again, thanks, Ryan. I'm glad you are back with us. So, we, so I saved the good topic. Well, not the good topic, but I saved us some stuff to talk about because I didn't want to give away the whole farm to our guests. We needed something to uh, show. Let us talk about. Huh? Wait, hold on. Oh, you hold went on. out for okay. a second. I can't you hear back? You. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, there we
0: go. Yeah, sorry
1: yeah, about yeah, that. Now we can. Oh, Sorry, guys. Sorry about that. Let us talk about, hmm, let's talk about Jermaine Taylor.
5: <laughs> oh, my God. That guy needs help.
1: I'm really fear. I really fear for him. I, I'm very, I, I'm just, I'm afraid. I'm really afraid for this guy. I mean, we knew he wasn't, you know, there were a few marbles missing out of the pack. But this is getting crazy. First, the Vine shows up, and I'm like, okay, well, it's a holiday. You know, he doesn't really have a – I mean, he kind of has a fight coming, but then they said he wasn't fighting because of the broken ribs. So, you know, maybe he's just turning up on Martin Luther King Day. He's barbecuing with the fam. Maybe the parade is going by his house. He's turning up. No big deal. And then the story breaks after that, that he's pulling guns, threatening to kill children and and, and people, and, and just what the hell? Is he bipolar? It, it, you know, he left the ring because of brain issues before. So why is he still being licensed to fight? What the hell is up with Jermaine Taylor? I'm going to get it to Ryan since you just jumped on with this.
5: I mean, it's the guy's world champion. It, it's hard to tell him that he's, he's not allowed to fight. Uh, it's like, What are they going to do with the belt? It's just, I guess I'm vacated, but... Um... So, yeah, can it's you, just mental thing needs to be evaluated. Uh, I it's about the money. You know, boxing is, is is a business. It's like Doug was talking about. People are just trying to make money out of fighters. They're, they're not thinking about their well-being. They're just trying to make a buck out of them. I mean, if, if if you want to know how much uh, you know, commission is the one I care about fighters, just read uh, the piece on net about why my fight with Daryl uh, Bunking was canceled. They don't give yes. a fuck. Not, not a right. single fuck.
1: Zero. As a matter of fact, let me pull that article out. You know, what's your take on, while um, you guys are responding, I'll pull out Ryan's post and I'll tweet it out right now. Um, what's your your thoughts on Jermaine Taylor, Ismael?
2: He needs a serious intervention. I think, you know, uh, his handlers and everything, were thinking, okay, you know, we're, we'll at least get him to, his, you know, we'll get him one last payday. Worst comes to worst, if he has to go to jail, at least he has some money in his pocket. Or at least money in his family's pocket before he has to go away. He has a title. He'll get a good payday against more. You know, at least something, right? But the way he's going, he's not even going to get to his uh, his court date. You know, if, if what happened was true about him actually putting a gun to a guy's temple, and then you see him dancing afterward, he's going to end up killing somebody. If not That's somebody right. random out in the street, it's going to be somebody with his family. I mean we can't, it's not even an exaggeration at this point. You know, we saw a similar situation. I think it kind of reminds me in wrestling, what happened with Chris Van Wauw. You know, he ended up killing his family. He didn't even know how bad yeah. his brain was. Maybe he had the, had the brain of a, uh, like an eight year old man. So I know that yeah. they claimed that, you know, Jermaine passed all the tests and everything before he got licensed and all that. But obviously they, they missed some emotional tests because this didn't just come out of the blue. I mean, this, Behavior has probably been going on for some time now, and it's just been hidden. So, I mean, the last uh, thing he should be doing is boxing. I
5: was going to say that, um, you know, because you know, there's no national boxing commission, and uh, everything is, is, you know, it's simply a lot easier to pass uh, medical evaluations in certain states as opposed to other states. Mm, I mean, uh, there's no like, you know, set. Criteria that any state has to operate by. So, I mean, this state might do this good, but they do that bad, and another state might do uh, the thing that they do bad good, but they do another thing bad. So, it's. I mean, there's really no uniformity with, uh, you know, how to how to uh, test fighters
1: properly. Mm Mhm. I don't know. I just. I mean, there has to be, you know, as part of the, you know, as in the case. I mean, do they administer Cat, where 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 was the last fight? The the fight against Solomon? Alabama, Mississippi. Where was that uh, fight? I think it
2: was Mississippi, right?
1: You know the athletic commission down there, and they're not taking cat scans or some type of something. Because I mean that just it's just I'm sorry, I just refuse that there is not something scientific to determine what Jermaine Taylor has going on. Just the whole judgment, uh, just. I don't even know what to do with that. And then on top of that, what are the guidelines? You you can't force a fighter to vacate the title even if he is going to jail. You know, then they kind of concoct some type of – because he's what, the IDF middleweight champion? They're going to concoct – the IDF doesn't do all the bullshit like the WBA with the interim super extra holding the placeholder middleweight title. They're not going to do all that. So, you know, now we get held hostage with Jermaine Taylor with his belt. Jermaine could ever go into jail or in some type of... <laughs> if, I think
5: if he you go to, to jail, jail, the IBFY will probably strip him because that, that would... I think that that gives them, like, you know, enough grounds. But at the moment, uh, you got to let them have the title and, like, they they could make an interim title match. I mean, they, they do do interim titles sometimes. and it, it makes sense when they do it because, like, the, the champion literally is not allowed to fight. <laughs> so it, it's it's nothing they, they can really do. Like, they either could have stripped the champion or, you know, just not had any fights. So in those situations, um, that in our Like, the last one I remember was, uh, you know, when Canelo broke um, that uh, Archie Solis's jaw. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he couldn't fight for a long time until that healed. So they they gave somebody to earn them title.
1: But Jermaine Taylor's people suck. I feel like somebody needs to be sitting in a room with him at night like the like uh, old boy with Leonardo DiCaprio in the basketball diaries when he was coming off of the drug, the drug binge, and he just sat in a room with him while he was just kind of rehabbing all night. I feel like somebody needs to sit with Jermaine Taylor like that every night for like a solid year and, and save him from his own vices, or at least to try to determine what is wrong with him. You know, maybe he needs to hook up with Boy Jones Jr. Or even didn't Al this new Al Heyman deal, and maybe we'll talk some more about that. There's something built into what they're going to do that benefits this uh, brain center for studying fighters' brains. He's an hey, a fighter. There's your first test case right there. Send his ass over to this clinic and get his head checked out because it's, it's something is just not adding up there, and it's really, really sad. And I don't want to see some innocent person getting capped because you know Jermaine's hair life current. So, You know, go to his house, go through his stuff, get all the guns away from him, and put him into some type of assisted monitored something. Save the man from himself. Jesus Christ. So anyway, we'll leave that where it is for that because we have 33 minutes left. Let's talk about – let me ask you this, Ryan. Why in the world would Bermaine Stavern be dehydrated? going into a heavyweight fight.
5: Um yeah, that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering yeah, you, know, you don't have to make weight and if you saw him at the weigh in, uh the guy was 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 clearly healthy. Uh <laughs> healthy. Very healthy. Very 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 he healthy. He was
1: not He was not walking in a Victoria's Secret fashion show. He was quite healthy.
5: <laughs> so um yeah, I, I, I don't know where the water went. I, I, it could have came out of him during the fight. I mean, that is possible. You know, through, through a hard fight, you know, you you can be become dehydrated. But uh, he didn't seem like he was working that hard to me. And mm-hmm. I mean, his, his his training camp was a little unbelievable. Uh, I, I, he, he said in, in some interview I read mm-hmm. somewhere that he was he was running like you know. Uh, three uh, three miles at like a six minute mile pace, and like it's up little two hundred and fifty pound man running though. Uh, consecutive six minutes. I don't even he, he, he can run one mile in under six minutes.
1: Come on now, now people follow me on Twitter, and I run nearly every goddamn day. Now I'm not skinny by any means. I'm kind of healthy, and I'm sure I'm running quite a bit faster than Vermees Sever. And I run nearly every single day. His big ass is not running nobody six minute miles for training camp. I'm um, no Mm-mm. a six minute mile. That's like something that's Somebody from Ghana it, 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 Apparently he was doing like He
5: said he was, doing, he was running three miles At the six minute mile pace I'm like yo Come that's on now That's Olympic
2: Come like, on now like, <laughs> that,
5: that, that, That's honestly like, uh, You know some, some professional running Type, type shit right there <laughs>
1: Let me help you. Let me help you with that. Now, I use the Nike Plus app, and Nike should send me a check for saying that on the air. And I follow Brian Jennings as one of my friends on this Nike app. And Brian, now we know Brian Jennings does not play around when it comes to his condition. And I can see, you know, all your friends, you can see the pace that they run at. Brian Jennings runs nine and ten miles at like, I don't know, like his fastest will be like seven and a half. Minutes. You mean to tell me, Bermaine Siver can out? <laughs> right. Yeah. Not happening. Please don't
5: insult
1: me. Please don't huh. insult us like that. So, Bermaine, I think Bermaine was eating too much of that damn top ramen that we saw him eating in the um All Access. Try to lose too weight and just was hungry and thirsty. And why are you losing weight anyway? You're a heavyweight. I don't know. You knew you were fighting. Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is a slim, trim guy. He keeps himself pretty fit. So, if you waited to the last minute to try to lose some weight and why you needed to lose weight is beyond me, that's, that's on you. And really stupid. Yeah. But, yeah, I
5: he could have made a mistake and simply not drank water that day. You know, maybe his mind was on other things. But, uh, that does seem, I mean, that, that's really foolish. Like, you know, the biggest biggest fight of your career and, uh, you're not drinking water that day, nobody thinks to remind you to drink water uh yeah, so that's a little fact.
1: He, he should have drank some of that water he was soaking in because prior to the fight, he posted a picture on Facebook saying it's kind of wake these muscles up and he got into an ice bath. He should have drank some of that, so you know that is the whole just that whole scenario, and then following that. Um, there was a press conference on Monday in Vegas where, after he checked out the hospital, I don't know what media was still in Las Vegas for this press conference on a Monday, but okay. Don King says that um, uh, somebody was trying to get a message to him, trying to text him during a fight to tell him that Bermain was behind. Larry Holmes. Larry yeah. Holmes was trying to text him to tell him to give Bermaine some water. Are you kidding me? Larry Holmes? I, I doubt Larry Holmes' text anyway. But he was trying to text Don to tell Don House to give Burmaid some water. Don House, this is from his first rodeo. Are you kidding? And if Burmaid felt thirsty, why didn't he say, give me the water? I, I just, it, it, it's just, it's just, it's, it's ludicrous. And I don't know. Do you have a reasonable explanation, um, Ismail?
2: Uh, you know, when you have a lot of dreads, I can just sap your energy. <laughs>
1: Oh, I, I, okay, remains to burn. And it and is no I, disrespect. You have been a guest here on The Ruckus. I'm going to blame it on Ismail just because he's got a head full of dreads like you, and that's what dehydrated you and, you know, and made you, you know, lackluster in the ring. I really... Ryan, I will give you your props for making the correct prediction. I did not make the correct prediction. A lot of us made the wrong prediction. But congratulations to Ryan Bivens. I have some nice turtle wax for you for making the correct honestly, prediction. Honestly,
5: um, I, I thought Deontay Wilder was going to look better than that. Like, uh, he, mm. while he might have impressed everybody else, he he didn't live up to my expectations, and I, I saw how the fight was going to go. Um, he mm-hmm. he was really tired. He was really tired in those championship rounds. And if if Stavero wasn't also out of gas, like he had somebody in there who was, you know, uh, trying to come on and you know steal the fight late, he would have been in trouble. So mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't think he beats Klitschko. I don't think he beats Povetkin. I don't think he beats Pulev. I don't think he beats Tyson Fury. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Jennings can beat him. Uh, but I will rate him ahead of Brian Jennings at the moment, um simply mm-hmm. based on resume. But uh he's beatable. Uh, don't don't let that title belt and uh undefeated record uh, fool you. Um, you know he's not he's not, you know, um, the the next big thing yet. I mean mm. he can still get better. 'cause you know I mean he he has learned on the job and he can continue to learn but at the moment he is not. He he's not he's just not there. He he needs more seasoning. Far, far more seasoning.
1: Absolutely. Why don't we uh shift gears? Let us talk about let's see, what do I have on my list here that we haven't talked about already? Let's talk about um David Lemieux before we get into uh the preview of Rios Alvarado 3. And the funny thing about that, if you were on the Rio Alvarado conference call today, I didn't raise my hand in the queue to ask a question. I was driving I almost got into a car accident when the operator said, our next question is from Giandra LaBeouf of badculture.net. And I almost got into a car accident today because I did not have my hand raised in the queue. But that's not here or there. So let's talk David Lemieux. David Lemieux, boy, he's got a lot on his shoulders now. He's like the face of the franchise over there at Golden Boy Over other than Canelo. What do we do with David well, yeah. Lemieux? Do you,
0: what opponent. do you do with
1: him, Ryan? You, you build him
5: up, and then uh, when he's as big as he can get, you feed him to Canelo. That's pretty much all you can do. And you, you How many to easy touches do we give him? Because, look, Gabriel Rosado is honestly, like, the, the hardest fight that he should be expected to win. Like, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't step him up beyond that level unless you were, you know, also had some stake on the other guy. Because if, if if your hopes are, are, are just on the in the fight and uh, he's fighting, like, a, a legit uh, top, you know, uh, middleweight, I mean, we're not, not even talking to Dolovkin, you know. I mean, I know this division is kind of like Dolovkin and everybody else, but just... Just everybody else in in that like top ten area is a problem. It's a problem for David.
1: What do you think, Ismail? What do we do with David Lemieux? Uh,
2: that's what I was thinking about, because remember when we were talking about some of the top guys, like, you know, I wouldn't put him in with Hassan Nadam. I don't that's not a good style matchup for him. Um, maybe somebody like a Caleb Truex might be and then again right. right. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 well, I'm worried. It's, like I'm I'm thinking if I was you know, promoting him, I would be worried about him getting upset. You know, you, like you said, you want to try and build him up. A lot of these guys are very solid. You know, once the news, if he can't knock you out, you're requiring him to box in a distance fight. And that's where it gets shaky it him. Um, mm. They really got kind of got their work cut out for him because they got to find guys that would be credible enough that HBO is going to take, you know, that they're going to air. But still, not mm-hmm. be a threat to beat him. You know that's where it comes. The problem comes in. He's an exciting fighter, but he's very limited. Very, very limited.
5: Right. Like, um, like even like even the Curtis Stevens is, is a threat. Um, I, I mean, I think he he beats Stevens on on points. You know, because Stevens you know doesn't throw enough punches. But but Stevens will clip him at some point, and that is going to be a very scary moment for David. <laughs>
2: You know, oh, well, I got, an idea I, got an idea. I I, I figured that out. I got it. We we can get Sam Solomon because you know he's still got the knee problem. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a safe bet right there.
1: No, we gonna put Sam hey, Solomon with Sergio Martinez, and the winner gets a new prosthetic leg. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, oh that's cold.
1: Cold? Okay. Yeah, that is kind of cold. I'm gonna have to lose her horn myself on that one. That was terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sergio. You're still fine, though. But, and then I mean, even,
2: you know, somebody then, like a Toriano Johnson, I think well, he would, he would oh probably get a ball in. That, that's uh, a great
5: point. Toriano, that's fireworks. That I would love to see that. And um, I would expect Toriano to win because Toriano has a, he has a good chin. Uh, mm-hmm. He would get hurt. You know, he, he does get clipped. But I think he can kind of walk through enough bombs and, and uh, you know, put it on the mule. So I think yeah. Lemieux folds fold under pressure, and if you if maybe you can just withstand his assault and not break down, you will get him.
1: Maybe we could put you can if you did that Toriano Johnson versus David Lemieux, you could put it on the undercard of uh, Klitschko Jennings because now you have a Gary Shaw fighter, and then you have uh, Toriano, who is a Gary Shaw fighter, Rock Nation fighter. Right. and you build a whole right. part of that, Ryan, you might be on something there. Because we were trying to figure out earlier, we talked to Ismail and I talked about this earlier, of uh, what, how would you place, where would you promote David Lemieux? At? He has no he has no fan base here. I mean, he's somewhat known in Canada. That's debatable, but he's far from being like the guy of Canada. So he needs some place to build up his reputation here. Space guy, too, if he's with an American-based promoter. So that would be a good look tip for him. Okay, y'all heard it here. If they make that fight, we we match made it. We're not getting a check, but we match made Toriano Johnson versus David Mu on the undercard for uh, Klitschko versus Jennings. So you heard it here first. And if that doesn't happen, we didn't say that. We were just uh, talking. In speaking of he was he was
5: at he was at the card tonight. Every, every 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 like major Philly fighter was there, and um even Danny Garcia, and he he rarely shows up to, to fights in the city. Yeah, there, uh, Brian Jennings was there, um, uh, Jesse Hart was there. Um, was Hank there? Who? Hank, Hank Lundy. Lundy. Hank? No, I didn't see Hank. No, Hank Hank is, the funny thing about Hank. Uh, he is not universally loved in his uh, home city of Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like he, he has burned bridges someone. with uh quite a few people that uh, he probably doesn't want to run into.
0: Oh. Uh oh. Especially heard at the E C W arena,
2: you don't wanna you don't wanna be getting in no beef in there.
1: <laughs> well, sorry, but Danny Garcia, interesting, interesting, interesting. Oh yeah, Steve Cunningham was oh, there me. too.
5: Oh. Yeah, he's got that company uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. hmm Yeah, matter of fact we should get him on the show.
2: Yeah, see, I, was I because,
5: because
2: you were mentioning about Wilder, um, you know what to do with him once his hand fracture heals. They may not want to put him in with a Tyson Fury. You think they would take a risk and put him in with Cunningham?
5: Um, probably. They, 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 I, I could see him risking mm-hmm. that, but um,
1: with Cunningham. Cunningham was with main
5: events. Cunningham was with main events. And that's exactly. the problem. Like main events, not Hayman working, ain't
1: working with Kathy Duba. Not at all. and not Oh, at
5: all.
0: yeah, I think that's yeah, right.
5: Al Heyman is, is a big roadblock here. I think Made of Us has just made it so clear that they do not like Showtime. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, they, they control true. them all the time. So I just don't see anybody fighting fight on that network.
1: I think Kathy ought to step her troll game up $100,000 and say, <laughs> hell, yeah, we'll work with you and go sit right next to Al Heyman and Adonis. Like, what's up, y'all? Can you pass the popcorn? <laughs> I would get but that's just me. I'm just an asshole like that. I would go sit right next to him like, good feet, huh? And, you know, and watch a good fight. So, Kathy, that's okay. Go ahead. Just sit next to him, girl. Just sit right on next to him and make your fight make your money. Nothing wrong with that. Let's see. 19 minutes. We're under 20 minutes, guys. What do you guys want to talk about? What do you want to talk about, Ryan?
5: Um, I don't know. What's... What? I, I missed, like, the first hour of the show. So what topics did you cover now?
1: Let's see. When we had Al Heyman on – I'm Al Heyman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Al Heyman on no, you wish. Wow. Freudian slip. Maybe. Did I just put that in the inter, in, into the universe? Please let Al Heyman be a guest on The Ruckus. If Al Heyman is a guest on The Ruckus, you can't tell me shit for the rest of my life. I don't even care. You can't just You can't tell me shit for the rest of my life. So – Somebody tell Al Heyman I would like him to be a guest on The Ruckus so you can't tell me shit for the rest of my life. But Al Bernstein was on the show at the top of the show, and we talked at length about uh, Walter Um Oh, here's something we didn't talk about. Let's talk about Bob Arum being a hater. No Chavez Jr. versus Fanfara. Let's talk about that. Chavez, oh, who else even? Chavez Jr. That, tweeted that out that. that
5: Fanfara would beat the hell out of Chavez.
2: Yeah, that was a good fight. I was looking forward to that.
1: You know, for those of you who missed it, Chavez Jr. tweeted out that he was uh, next in the ring on April something uh, against Fonsara. Bob Arum promptly said, no, the hell he's not. We going to court. He ain't fighting <laughs> nobody because he's still entangled into some issues with uh, top ranks. Now, Ryan, this is let it happen of-
5: as long as they get to promote it. Like, as, as long as everything is, you yeah. know, done by the usual standards, mm-hmm. Uh, They're fine. And um, Mm -hmm. people just assume that because uh, Chavez is with Al Heyman, Al Heyman is going to do whatever he wants.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: And, yeah, that's what Topper wouldn't allow. But, I mean, they they can't stop uh, Chavez from having an advisor.
1: True. Absolutely. Even if it's an advisor that they don't like, you can't tell them and who to hire or work for. Ismail, what do you think of uh, the matchup of uh, Chavez Jr. versus Sunflower?
2: He would be in some what trouble with uh from far, yeah. It should be at 175 because you know that's where from far competes at. But you know Chavez is the A side, quote unquote. So, but that's that's better for him, you know, because I mean if he can't make 175, I mean God, what does that say? That should be a perfect, comfortable weight for him. Um, but from far, he's a, he's a legit fighter. He has a good punch. He's very sturdy. Um, Chavez wouldn't be able to bully him like he's done a lot of fighters, so he would have to dig deep in that one. I was actually kind of impressed that he would take a fight like that. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I, you have to... Go ahead, Ryan. The,
5: the way I look at it is that he doesn't know who Fanfare is. That, that, that's what I'm thinking, because remember, <laughs> there, there, there was a point in time where they had been cleverly announced that he was going to fight, um, uh, what's his name, Junior Mikado. I was like, oh, you lost your damn... Eye. <laughs> By <laughs> Junior like cruiserweight. so eventually he, you know, somebody got around to him was like, "Yo, uh, this dude is a problem, and uh, we need to get out of this fight." And he, he, he got out of the fight. So, I'm, I'm thinking uh, maybe they, they go the same route there, you know, it, it, if it even, you know, gets to that stage, because, you know, it, it probably will be a struggle to, um, to, you know, to, to, you know, get past Bob Arum uh, for this fight. I I understand why Bob Aaron, uh needs to be involved with it, honestly. Um, they they should just cut him a check and, you know, let him do whatever the hell they want. I, well, what else does Bob need besides money? I, I really don't understand why he needs to involve himself. He should just ask for the money and let, let him fight uh, whoever he wants to fight and uh, wherever he wants to fight on whatever card he wants to fight.
2: I think in situations like that, and you see it in music too, when it's uh, a promoter or – label head, when they built somebody up from the beginning, they take it real personal. You know, when you want to branch out and leave, and they normally will fight tooth and nail to prevent that from happening. I think that's what it is in this case. He's a, he feels that he's made the Chavez brand. He was with him, you know, for months, you know, he's he, not months, years when he was looking horrible on those uh Pacquiao undercars, on, them on the undercars from 2009, 2008. So he figures now he should be getting the proper payoff for the you know all that time and money spent, and he feels like no, I'm not, I'm not letting anybody else reap the reward. So I think that's all it is, just being vindictive. Could be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And asking asking Aram not to be is just kind of crazy. I mean, you see what happened when remember when Donaire tried to call himself leaving and go on the Golden Boy, <laughs> how quickly Correct. that got nipped in the butt? Yeah, Aaron. I mean, he hasn't lost in court yet, as far as I know. So I kind of think that this fight probably isn't going to happen. I think he wants an extension on that contract, and until Chavez does that, he's he's not fighting because if he wants to wait out this contract, wasn't that his contract is until what, like 2016, right? Yeah, that's what they claim. Mm-hmm.
5: But Chavez people claim his contract already expired. So um, I'm just I'm yo I, I don't know who's telling the truth that that's what it really comes down to. I got, you know, two different stories. If, if Aram's story is true, then the fight's not happening. If, you know, Chavez's story is true, then the fight might happen.
2: And that's the other thing, is like, you know, Chavez would have to come out of the pocket to go to court with his own lawyers and try and prove that case if he had the, the money to do that. Especially when you're not earning, you know you're sitting on the shelf not fighting. And that's where top-ranking normally, I think, normally wins out in that case. They just have more money than everybody else to fight and prolong it as long as possible. You saw oh, the same no. thing. We saw same thing pretty much happened with Ward. You know, when all that legal stuff, when he tried to fight, they got him nowhere, even with Goosen. It's hard for a fighter right. to win with these contracts. It's just really difficult because they just don't have the resources that these companies have.
1: Resources to reach nothing. Yeah, they should I just want to out. Know how much out.
5: Uh, I think probably, I think Top Rank, uh, in some capacity, is probably going to get a check. You know, that that might be all they get. But uh, hey, that's not a total loss. You know, Golden Boy recently uh, got a big check, and they, they probably needed the money. You know, because Golden Boy was, mm-hmm. was was losing money for for quite some time. So. Right. So the problem with those Alohman fighters again getting that revenue again, you know, they have a chance to um it's just a, a question of whether or not uh the people they have to build or worth building.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. But that was like, Oh, Chavez, Jr., he's gonna fight. real? Oh, no he's not. <laughs> I've Aaron. Uh oh, I'm getting tired, Uncle Bob getting on the birds. Messing up. He's messing things up. Let's see. Let's now Let's talk about, oh, here's a good topic. Is Amir Khan benefiting from the Mayweather-Pacquiao fallout? So this is what I worked out in my mind. So Khan made the the mistake of trying to impose a deadline on Floyd, and he ended up looking corny again. I was proud of Amir Khan. He did exactly what he needed to do. He looked good in the fight against Devin Alexander, very dominant, crisp, and he was keeping his mouth shut. Then all of a sudden he started with all that talking again, all that talking. I'ma give Floyd like a month because I gotta start training. So Floyd was like, "Damn, you're training. What, what the hell are you talking about?" So now Con, you know, you're a bridesmaid again. And then now Pacquiao followed the same model, doing all that talking, trying to impose deadlines. You know, who are you meeting with? Who are you signing agreements with? Whatever. Now Pacquiao is out there looking corny and irritated in the streets. But what this does do is usher the way for a fight between Khan and Pacquiao, because when we saw our little Heyman parade of champions for this premier boxing champions thing that they're going to have going, there was no Amir Khan there, and Amir Khan is advised by, by Al Heyman. I would venture to say that Amir Khan is probably the only fighter who could legitimately step away from Al Heyman and still be okay. What do you think of a fight between Amir Khan and Manny Pacquiao? Since, you know, Floyd's not talking to him, they should do the ultimate troll move and make their own fight. I'm sure, Look. Bob, I mean, uh, HBO would be happy to have Khan fight over there. He doesn't have an exclusive deal with H- with uh, Showtime.
5: I don't think that fight would happen unless Khan signed with top rank. I don't think really? anybody fights, fights Pacquiao without a, a top rank contract at this point unless it's Mayweather and then like a big or or or, or uh, you know free agent. Uh Mayweather or free agent that's just uh you know a big star. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can see them them fighting uh, Pacquiao but everybody else top rank fighter. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Or they somebody the top rank has like options on, you know, like, because I think they, they had options on on Al Jerry. who's like what Banner or Starbucks and you know small small promotional companies. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, they're, they're not bringing in uh, well, an Khan fighter, the and they...
1: Doesn't, doesn't Khan self-promote? Al Hamas um, is advised but he's not a go-to-boy fighter. I think Khan self-promotes.
2: He's, still... he's still, he's the still a Golden to boy fighter, there. I think. Yeah. He's one of the ones that didn't come over. Yeah,
5: I think him, Leo, Santa Cruz, and uh, Lucas and Tise, or like the and Canelo <coughs> were with, with the four... Uh, marquee names that uh, Golden Boy kept that were Haman fighters. So,
1: oh, is Khan promoted by Frank Warren?
0: No,
5: no. Okay. no, just just Golden Boy. So, um, you know, maybe you know, because the Cold War is supposed to be over, and uh, Bob, Bob likes Oscar again. So, but yeah, but I I would need to go, and if if the fight happened, like as like a Golden Boy top and co promotion. And I, I just kind of, I don't see Khan taking that fight because I, cause I don't see anybody negotiating, you know, uh, a good fight for him
1: <laughs> under, under those circumstances.
5: And I also don't think he can get out of his contract with uh, Al Heyman
1: that easily. <laughs> Shoot, I would try to get that fight. He can get out the contract. All he has to do is get on TV talking reckless about Al Heyman. And they'll kick him out. <laughs>
2: yeah, that, that's in the contract. No negative comments to the media.
1: Mhm. All you have to do is get on TV. out oh, hey, man that ain't shit. Yeah, it's a wrap. <laughs> it's
5: like get filing sued, for though.
1: unemployment. That's all right. <laughs> it's like filing for unemployment. You go let them fire you.
5: But yeah, well, what, what I'm thinking is if if, if this Mayweather Pacquiao fight falls out, we're probably going to see Pacquiao fight Jesse Vargas.
2: Oh, I forgot about him. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Make a fight in Vegas or Mikey Garcia.
2: Um, Shoot, they fight. They fight in Vegas. uh um, <laughs> Vegas uh, might get another decision. I, okay, you know, Matt, I, and Manny's I don't know
5: because Cal- uh, Mikey Garcia is is a quality fighter, yeah. and Bob Heyman, I mean, no, Al Heyman, No, no, Bob Bob Arum. Wow, fuck <laughs> uh, Bob Arum, you know, is, is is not really liking Mikey Garcia right now, and I think Mikey could possibly beat Pacquiao. Um, I really wouldn't rule that out because I think Mikey's a hell of a fighter. So if if Mikey were to beat Pacquiao, like what does Bob do? Because <laughs> he knows that Mikey's not trying to stick around for another fight with Top Rank.
0: Yeah.
5: It would just, you know, put him in an awkward position. So I, I don't see see that fight happening.
1: Uh, I think that's a good look for him. He might want to try that one. And unrelated boxing news, just because this came up on my phone, I thought it was interesting. The New England Patriots had 11 of their 12 allotted game footballs underinflated by two pounds of air as required by NFL regulations, according to the league sources, either involved or familiar with the investigation of Sunday's AFC championship game when the Patriots beat the Colts 45-7 to to advance to their sixth Super Bowl. Underinflated balls. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not a football fan like that, so I just thought it was interesting for those of you who are listening to the show like football. You, pay, you Patriot haters, they in trouble for not inflating their balls properly. Okay, we are now with six minutes left. Preview, Alvarado-Rios, eh, we don't have to really talk at nausea. We've talked a lot about Rios and Alvarado. We might as well just make predictions. Ismael, you first. On
2: the conference call, Alvarado still sounds like a sick man. He just sounds mm-hmm. sounds worn out. He just sounds broken. Um, I know mm-hmm. everybody saw that uh, shallow boxing footage. I know it's shallow boxing, but he just looks uncoordinated. It doesn't look like he's really had a true training camp to me. You know, everything that's going on with him, I just think he hasn't had the focus needed that you need to be a fighter and to really, you know, hone in on a big fight like this. I just think too much is going on around him. Too much uh, abuse in the ring in his last couple fights. So I would be surprised if Rios does not knock him out by the sixth round. I don't think he, Alvarado, uh, has the ability to box like he did in the second fight.
5: Okay.
1: It's not, uh, Ryan?
5: This fight is, um, should be compared to like uh, Vasquez, uh, Marquez, four. You know, just one fight too many in the series. Because uh, one fighter is just clearly done. The other one isn't in great shape anymore. But, you know, he's got enough left to, you know, just kind of roll them, r- run over him. And, uh, you know, Alvarado is, is that guy that's on his way out. This is, will be his last hurrah. And um, hopefully, I mean, because he's going to get beat up pretty bad. So he's, I think this will be his last fight. And um, it's it's not what me we was saying gonna be sad.
1: Mm. Definitely. I agree. I don't see it going a distance. I'm gonna say Rios by maybe seventh round. Stoppage. So that's my prediction for the fight this weekend. Let's see, do we have any other fights this weekend? Let me get to my schedule here. So of course Rios Alvarado three will be taking place on HBO with uh, the co-featured fight, Gilberto Ramirez versus Maxwell Blassoff. No title fights on this card. It will be taking place in Broomfield, Colorado. Our very, very new BadCulture.net contributor, Delano White Jr., follow him on Twitter, Big D White, Big D-E-E White, will be in Colorado covering real Alvarado 3 for Bad Culture. So welcome to the Bad Culture family. Have a good time. Write some good stuff. So that's going on. He'll be out covering that. Also happening at night, non-broadcast fight. Chaz Witherspoon. Wow, Chaz Witherspoon is going to be fighting Corey Phelps in New Jersey. So non-broadcast fight.
5: And yeah, so there's a story about that Re- on the site.
1: Yes, I tweeted the link. If you're in my timeline, go in my timeline. I just tweeted out Ryan's story. Ridiculous. Call the New Jersey State Athletic Commission and tell them they ain't shit. That is. Uh, so. That, I think
5: that card will be televised, or not televised, but um, streamed online on GoFightLiveGFL.tv, Live, GFL TV. So if you want to watch mm-hmm. it, um, it's it's not really much intriguing fights on the card. Okay, so there
0: you
1: have it. And then uh, coming up uh, next week, Monday the twenty sixth, from San Antonio on Fox Sports One, Golden Boy Live card: Rocky Warren versus Robinson Castellanos and uh, co-feature Travelle Maison versus Nestor Rosas. So that's what we've got coming up uh, to wrap up the flight activity. Looks like we got a caller. While we got two minutes left, we'll take this caller real quick. Caller, you are on with the ruckus. Uh, who am I talking to? Hey,
6: how you doing, Gerardo? This is Art, Art Mindset. What's
1: up? What's hey, Art. up, Art?
6: How What's you up? H- how you What's doing? What's going on, man? We good. How are uh, you? I'm right here, man, just listening to the radio, you know, to the radio show. And uh, really quick, because I know, that, you know, our uh, airtime almost over, but I know you guys were talking about Deontay. And uh, mm-hmm. you know what? I see him, you know, uh, de is coming up in age. He's like, you know, he's already going to be 40. And he, let's say he takes one or two fights and then they unify the titles. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to be knocking out people. And, and you got to remember, Clis- this Clisco does not have a chin. So I think he gets a little older. And Deontay's gonna be hungry, so I think he eventually knocks him out. It's just just wanted to throw that in.
1: No problem. Yeah, he probably. he looked he looked great. He he looked he was I was very very surprised, and I enjoyed watching Wilder fight this weekend. You know, that's the kind of fight I've wanted to see him in for a while. And, you know, it put a lot of questions to rest. You know, he's still a young fighter, young in the game. But, you know, he looked like a, you know, a young lion, and he did what he needed to do, so kudos to him. But uh, we have many yeah, and, questions
6: and, left, so. And, Go ahead. And Aris, he, um, I mean, and he rocked remain, Germ- uh, So, you know, if he puts a hand on Clisco's, boy's going down.
1: All right. All right. Thanks, our Shout out to Bram one more time for us.
6: Thanks a lot. Mindset, Mindset Brandon. And, you know, of course, uh, Deontay worked to the win, and he had his mind- mindset to be the world heavyweight champion of the world.
1: Because that's what champions that's do. That's it.
6: Thank you. Champions do. All right, Art. Right, take care. Thanks a lot.
1: All right. So, with 60 seconds left, any final thoughts, this Uh, Hopefully the Knicks will win another
2: game this month all I got <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
1: Ryan?
5: Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the Patriots lose the Super Bowl again because they will never win again. Oh, that'd be great. Cheaters
1: <laughs> right. don't win. And, uh, all right. And uh, final thoughts for me. Um, Al Heyman, call into the Ruckus, 718-508-9852. You know, I know you don't like to be on camera and stuff, but just call into the Ruckus. You know, I won't tell nobody. <laughs> Just all the people who follow me on Twitter and they'll tell their friends, but I'm not gonna tell nobody else. So with that, thank you for listening to the Ruckus. Thank you, Al Bernstein. Thank you, Doug Fisher. This is the Ruckus. Thank you, it's my own Ryan, and we're out. Good night.